When it's game on, it's time for Shakey's Pizza, Chicken, and Mojo's. The triple play of flavor. With meal deal packages to feed any size group, everyone loves Shakey's classic thin crust pizza, golden fried chicken, and crispy mojo potatoes. Get it to go at Shakey's.com or watch the game at your local Shakey's with an ice cold pitcher of beer, piping hot pizza, and a mountain of mojos. Share the good times at Shakey's today. Medi-Cal renewals are happening now. All members' eligibility is reviewed once annually, and everyone's renewal date is different. You can check your renewal month in your online benefitscal.com account. If your current address, email, or phone number have changed, please update your information with your local county office. If you get a renewal form in the mail in a yellow envelope, you must complete it to keep your Medi-Cal. If you don't, you will lose your coverage. Visit lacare.org for more information. That's lacare.org. We want to uh, welcome in a man that was part of the greatest draft class in Major League Baseball history back in 1968. Al Campanis, maybe the greatest Dodger GM ever, drafted guys like Steve Garvey, like Ron Say, like Davey Lopes, like Bill Buckner, like Doyle Alexander, and our guest, the one and only former Dodger player, and eye in the sky for Tommy Lasorda as a coach, number 13, Joe Ferguson. Joe, great to have you on Dodger Talk for the first time with me hosting. How you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be with you. Great to have the eye in the sky on the show. I mean, when I was growing up and Dodger <laughs> baseball was going and you were done playing, you were Tommy Lasorda's eyes in the sky, meaning in the press box with the walkie-talkie communicating with bill russell uh you hear about analytics you hear about analytics and all this advanced technology maybe in uh some way or shape you were uh kind of a pioneer in that respect yeah we were the dodgers were the first to 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 institute you know that kind of defense uh uh back in that time and and of course uh uh a lot of people thought that uh, that it wasn't going to work that it was just a kind of a uh, something that people would, you know, think about doing, but really wasn't that important. But in, in essence, it was because it, it led to all the things that has happened in baseball uh, since that time, as far as how to defense players, how to pitch players, and and how to position yourself. Now, we weren't like they were today. We couldn't we couldn't get on the other side of second base. We couldn't be in the outfield. But we, we would uh, move players and, and, and put them in a position that we felt uh, was going to be advantageous the way we're going to pitch to that hitter. So it, it was predicated on that. Joe Ferguson is our guest, and I mentioned, Joe, you were part of the greatest draft class in Major League Baseball history in 1968. Uh, those group of players went with a young Tommy Lasorda to Ogden, Utah, to start your Dodger career, and then all of a sudden you have this evolution of playing for him in the Major Leagues, and then you were on his coaching staff. Can you just describe the career arc and the evolution of your relationship with Tommy Lasorda? Yeah, well, it was uh, <laughs> it was definitely a, uh, an evolution because when when I signed in 1968, part of the part of that draft uh, went to Tri Cities, Washington, okay, uh, in the league there, and part of it went to Ogden, Utah. 
So myself, Doyle Alexander, and Ron Say, okay, we're in Tri-Cities, Washington play. And the rest of that draft was in Ogden, Utah. So I didn't actually, I didn't actually meet up with Tommy because Tommy was the manager in Ogden. I didn't meet up with him until the following spring training. And in that spring training is when Tommy came to me and said, you got to do us a favor. And I said, what's that? <laughs> and he says, you got to become a catcher. So that's when the whole evolution started with myself being becoming a catcher. Gotcha. And you also, I know you were a catcher, Joe, but is it fair to say maybe your most famous play as a Dodger player was in the 74 World Series when you were able to step in front of the, the center fielder and throw a strike to Steve Yeager? Well, yeah, that's it. Uh, it kind of almost kind of defined me. Uh, not being, you know, I wasn't, I was playing in the outfield, but I had been an outfielder uh, previous to be, becoming a catcher. I was an outfielder uh, in the minor leagues, and, and so that was something I was very familiar with. I happened to be out in the outfield uh, that day because uh, they wanted, Walter Alston wanted to try to get as many right hand hitters in the lineup as he could against the left hand pitching. So I was playing right field and Steve was catching. And so I just, the opportunity arose at that time when Reggie Jackson hit a fly ball deep to center field and Jimmy Wynn was playing center field. And the problem with that is that Jimmy and everyone knew this. Jimmy uh, had hurt his arm very early in the season and couldn't throw. So when Sal Bando tagged up at third base, all he knew was that Jimmy Wynn was going to catch the ball and it was going to be no play at home plate. And when I stepped in front of Jimmy and threw the ball, I think Sal Bando was probably more surprised than anybody else that Steve Yeager was holding the ball when he came in there. Yeah, we always remember Mike Sosha being the rock behind home plate, but Steve Yeager, I, you know, even to this day, I don't think I want to mess with Steve Yeager. Yeah, no, Steve was tough. He, 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 he took a lot of hits. And he took a pretty good hit that day as well. Do you remember talking before the series, Joe, with Jimmy Wynn or just before that game that if there was any sort of play close to that, that you would handle the fly ball? Yeah, uh, Yes, I did. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the whole outfield talked about that. Uh, and I told Jimmy, I said, anything, anything that's hit in the area. And, of course, I'm in right field. And I had to take – I had to go all the way – to actual straightaway center field to catch that ball. And luckily, Reggie Jackson hit a ball high enough that I had enough time to get there. And I told Jimmy, I said, I'll take anything I can get. That way, he didn't have to make long throws. And so uh, it was it was pre-designed to start with. It was just fortunate that I had enough time to get there. Joe Ferguson is our guest, the former Dodger player and coach. This is Dodger Talk until 8 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. Now, Joe, every player has their own personal pitchers that they love facing or wish they wouldn't be in the starting lineup that day that pitcher was on the mound. Can you tell us your favorite pitcher to hit against and maybe the one that you least like getting into the batter's box against? Yeah, well, the least I can tell you the least right away, and that was uh... – that was going to be the big right-hander for, for Houston. Uh, right now, I can't, can't remember his name. Uh, was it J.R. Richards? J.R. Richards, yeah. 
All you Dodgers say that. All you Dodgers say J.R. Richard, from Dusty Baker to Rick Monday, and now you. Yeah, well, the thing is, I ended up catching him because I played with Houston. Uh, But the thing is, with J.R. Richard, you're talking about a guy that was 6'9", and uh, when when he threw the ball, it was easily probably in the high 90s, sometimes 100, and... What made him more difficult to hit than anything else was the breaking ball that he had. Uh, I was a dead fastball hitter, and I could hit. It didn't make any difference to me how hard they threw it. But he had one of the greatest breaking balls you ever want to see. And our whole club, the whole club of the Dodger club, nobody wanted to play the day that he pitched. <laughs> they got to the point, it got to the point where guys like Billy Russell and Davey Lopes would just say, that's it, I'm not playing. Put somebody else in. I can't hit them. Yeah, I mean, I've heard these stories, Joe, about J.R. Richard. Nolan Ryan gets all the pub, but uh, J.R. Richard, he was something. Even to this day, your teammates still talk about that. Great stuff. This guy beat beat us 13 straight times. Unbelievable. And Dusty Baker yeah. hit his uh, 30th home run on the final day of the regular season in 77 off of J.R. Richard. Yes, I do remember that. I do remember that. Joe Ferguson is our guest. Before I let you go, Joe, you were part of maybe the greatest home run in baseball history. That was Kirk Gibson's home run in game one of the 1988 World Series. You were a coach on the Dodgers that year. Can you describe from Joe Ferguson's vantage point just where you were and whether during that entire at-bat what you were thinking? Well, first of all, I was in the eye of the sky at that in that game, and uh, uh, Kirk was not supposed to play in that game. He wasn't going to play at all. Uh, and as a matter of fact, from from what uh, Billy Russell told me, is that uh, uh, at that time when they, that inning started, Kirk Gibson was in the training room and he hadn't even got dressed yet. He just was in his like his underwear and stuff, and. Apparently, uh, it got to the point during the game, during that inning, Tommy says, well, Billy says, go get Kirk, tell him he's going to hit. And so Billy went up the thing, told him that he's going he's gonna to hit, and Kirk came down to the dugout. And uh, uh, if you remember that situation, they walked uh, our right fielder, Davis, uh, to try to get to the shortstop. Okay? Dave Anderson. And Dave Anderson, and so nobody, they didn't, they let, they kept Gibson up the runway so that no one would see him and let Dave Anderson go into the on-deck circle. And as soon as they, as soon as they walked Davis, that's when they brought Kirk in there to, to start loosening up to go to the plate. And, of course, he ran, if you remember, Eckersley was, was the pitcher, and he ran that, to a 3-2 count, fouled off of two or three balls. And literally, Kirk was hitting on one leg. There was no doubt about that. And he threw him He threw him a backup slider on, a, on the outside part of the plate. And, and basically, on one, one hand, he hit that ball out of the ballpark. It was probably the greatest home run ever hit at Dodger Stadium. And you stayed in the press box for that entire at-bat. I, yeah, I stayed there the whole time. And, of course, that was the end of the game, so you can't. I tried to get down to that clubhouse as, as quick as I could after that. 
Joe Ferguson is our guest. One last question for you, Joe. Since you mentioned as a coach, you spent a lot of time in the press box. How much information would you share with Vin Scully, uh, him being up there as well? And there was no internet at the time. So how much uh, how much interaction would you have with Vin Scully when you were the eye in the sky as a coach in the press box? Yeah, there, I mean, he would be, I wouldn't, I wasn't sitting next to Vince. But I, but in between innings, I would go over there and talk to Vince Scully. Okay, and and we and we talk about the game, what was happening, hitters that might be coming up, situations that might be coming up, and we became, I became very close to Vince Scully uh, during that during that time, probably because of that. And uh, but uh, I was off. I was more where the writers were, and Vince, of course, had his own area, so. Uh, there wasn't a lot of communication while I was down, while I was doing the stuff with Billy Russell. So the, the funny the funny thing is that uh, I can remember one time I, I was telling Billy Russell I said you know we always had a problem with Steve Sachs. Steve always wanted to get closer to first base, huh. and because he had this little throwing problem as you remember. Yeah. And so I'd always I'd call down there and say I'd say Billy I says move. Steve Holbert towards second base. He's too he's too far away from the base, and Billy would move him. One day, uh, <clears throat> Billy was uh, doing coaching third base because Joey Lafontana was sick. He was coaching third, so Tommy decided that he would take the calls from me. And so, for about three straight innings, I'm calling down, telling him every inning, move him over, move him towards second base, and a. <laughs> After about six or seven times, Tommy yells on the mic to me and he says, he's, I'm tired that you move him over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if Tommy ever grabbed the walkie-talkie and said some things that we can't share. Oh, yeah. No, he did. Once in a while he would. <laughs> he'd, call up, he'd call up there and he'd say, are you, sure? are you sure you want to do this? And I'd say, yeah, I want to do it. He says, okay, we're going to do it. He says, but if you mess up, you're not going to. He says, we're not going to do it anyway. He says, hey, Tommy. Move the guy over, I'm telling you. So <laughs> he, yeah. he, he believed in his coaches. Yeah, he did. And I got to tell you, Joe, the reason why I still remember to this day that you were called the eye in the sky is because of Vince Scully. His voice is in my head saying, Joe Ferguson, the eye in the sky. And really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the reason why I still remember to this day. It was like all of us. Vince Scully taught us a lot of what was going on with the Dodgers on and off the field and it was a special time, and you were a part of a very special uh, generation of Dodgers, and we still remember you, and it's great to share you with Dodger fans tonight. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you. Anytime you want to do it, I'd be happy to do it. All right. We'd love to have the eye in the sky on the show. There he goes, Joe Ferguson. When it's game on, it's time for Shakey's Pizza, Chicken, and Mojo's, the triple play of flavor. With meal deal packages to feed any size group, everyone loves Shakey's classic thin crust pizza, golden fried chicken, and crispy mojo potatoes. Get it to go at Shakey's.com or watch the game at your local Shakey's with an ice cold pitcher of beer, piping hot pizza, and a mountain of mojos. Share the good times at Shakey's today. 
Medi-Cal renewals are happening now. All members' eligibility is reviewed once annually, and everyone's renewal date is different. You can check your renewal month in your online benefitscal.com account. If your current address, email, or phone number have changed, please update your information with your local county office. If you get a renewal form in the mail in a yellow envelope, you must complete it to keep your Medi-Cal. If you don't, you will lose your coverage. Visit lacare.org for more information. That's lacare.org.